And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 205 of Panelology. I'm Alex. I'm Jenna. And I'm Brian. How are we all doing? Yep. Not too bad. We're hanging in there. <laughs> what are I'm we not... doing to stay sane this week? This past uh, week, what have we done? There we go. Played a whole bunch of uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. And how is that treating you? Um, like 70 shrines in, so pretty good. Have you found the Shrine of the Silver Monkey yet? Uh, I, I, <laughs> nope! <laughs> oh. Yeah. Legend tells of a hidden temple. <laughs> um, are you deep enough in yet that you no longer clinch in fear whenever you see one of the guardians? Or do you still have to run from those? No, the only ones I still clinch in fear at are the Lionels. <laughs> uh, that will always be the case. Because <laughs> those guys suck. <laughs> I think in 80 hours, I killed one. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, I gotta kill more than that, because I gotta have two parts to upgrade my armor. Wow. So, would you say it's them you're looking for? <laughs> sure. The Lionel's Richie? I, I, I understood. Okay, just, just making sure. I wasn't sure if that was too much of a stretch. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jen, how about you? Yeah, I don't think I've been doing a super good job of, like, not going insane, actually. Oh, well, you know, that actually fits with everything I've heard this week. <laughs> I'm fine with, like, staying home and not seeing people and all that. That's totally good with me. Yeah. It's the not doing that that makes me insane. As as my son um, as my son put it when someone asked him, how are you doing with this? He was like, oh, I'm an introvert. I've been preparing for this my whole life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing great. A uh, friend messaged me the other day, and it came around to, yeah, I was wanting to get some comic suggestions, and I threw some things out and got back at, how are you so good at this? I'm like, I've been socially distancing for almost 33 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want thingamabobs? I got 20. <laughs> but who cares? No big so deal. No, you want some more? <laughs> by thingamabobs, I do mean comics. Uh, of course. And by 20, he does mean 1,000. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... If we're talking trades, I think I'm at like 896. I think yeah. that is my current count. Yeah, uh, I, I, I broke 12,000. My issues. God. <laughs> yeah. That's single issues, right? Not trades? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. Well, or tr issues or trades, right? Yeah. Gotcha. Things in my database. See, I keep separate tables for single issues and trades. Mm, yeah. Understood. Uh, for my part, I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing and there you go. a little Pokemon yeah. uh, and some Persona 5 Royal. Hmm. There you go. Yes. Um, let me tell you, I am looking forward to the first 10 hours of that game again. <laughs> I guess it makes sense to let the first 10 hours be the most problematic part, so it's all better after that. <laughs> but I'm really, really hoping, I don't know, I'm maybe four hours in. I'm really, really hoping that uh, it's less sexual abuse of students and Yikes. somehow different. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah, the beginning of that game is... Not my favorite part of it, but it is... Man, that sounds worse than Thanagar the Simulator. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, looking forward to that 4D Hawkman movie release. <laughs> 4D. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, make, make sure... Be careful which seat you sit in for that one. Yeah. <laughs> my God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'm also going to mention the Vagrant Queen TV show, because I've watched the first two episodes of that now, and it's very good. Is it? Cool. It is. Uh, it is bright and colorful, and they do not really waste any time letting Alita and Amei start making eyes at each other, and that makes me very happy, because they are both fantastic. Excellent. Uh, Isaac is good, too, but he is good not in a triangle. He is good just out there being kind of an asshole. Gotcha. Um, I just well, love him because it's the guy who played Mutt on Schitt's Creek, and uh, I love Schitt's Creek. Wait, that's the same guy? Yeah. I didn't recognize him with a differently colored beard. 
I didn't recognize him with his shirt on. <laughs> also that. <laughs> I was like, this guy's super familiar, but I never actually made the effort to look up from what. So thank yep. you for solving that mystery for me. Yeah, he's mutt. Cool. He's well, shit. we are doing something different this week. Mm-hmm. We are. When this episode turns out only being 20 minutes long, you'll know why. Um, We are going to talk about just one series. A thing we have never done. Except at live show. Well, actually, no, even there, we talk about three. We talk about three. It's like a a third of a live show. Hopefully it is longer than that. Hopefully we go deeper (laughs) in detail than we do for live shows. Ah. But we are making it up as we go, because times are strange. Indeed Indeed. they are. This week, we're taking a look at the first 12 issues of Redneck, which is still ongoing. Uh, The series is written by Donnie Cates. Art is by Lissandro Esterin. Dee Conniff does colors. Joe Sabino letters. Uh, Its editor is John Moison, and its associate editor is Ariel Basich. Yeah. Good job. So, like, I don't even think we need to talk about how awesome Donny Cates is as a writer. Um, we often mention how how we like art that fits the story, which this does very, very well. But I want to specifically call out uh, D. Cunniff, uh, because the colors in this are awesome. Yes. Um, I love how, I mean, there are very different palettes that are chosen based on kind of the time and what's going on, but they're, they're very much like a blue, reddish, maroonish, because most of it obviously takes place at night. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think in the first 12 issues, my favorite sequence for color work is the section where there are a lot of police lights going. Yeah. Um, because you get the red and blue sort of siren light flashes, but those are, you know, gradiated in and there are other colors around uh, for contrast. Yeah. But just, like, literally the the first page that is not, like, title page information, the first page that is the actual comic is this big double-page spread that has this, like, sun-setting sky, and it's just with a house and, you know, the sky's behind it. It's just gorgeous. So let's take a moment and talk about what Redneck is is before we dig any deeper into it but i swear if you say vampire one more time (laughs) uh jen as you have been a vocal proponent of this series would you set it up for us sure uh this takes place in a small town um in the heart of texas deep in the heart of texas Yep, knew I could get that. Uh, And it centers around this family who, um, they raise cattle for barbecue and uh, also blood because they are, in fact, vampires. And while in this small town, they are having to deal with a local, very religious man who basically wants to see the end of them. And you don't know why at first. And it's very interesting to see this this big family struggle, this humongous Mason Dixon-esque family feud between this clan of vampires and these religious people. And yeah, I think throughout the end of this, you get to see the culmination of all of that. Like yeah, these, we, these first 12 issues. I we certainly get a lot of like characters, backstories, and family histories, and at least have, I think, broadly a picture of why everything that has led to where we are has led to where we are. You think that? There's even more information to come. It's so good. Yep. I want to point out one of the things that this book does and as far as how it tells the story which i think is very very cool is we jump right into kind of modern time right right when the story is happening as you're reading through it but then when we need to it will kind of do almost like flashbacks type stuff but it's it's usually either somebody telling somebody else the story or you know there's one character in particular who can look in and and see what's going on in people's heads mm-hmm. um and so some 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 of it is is when she is you know doing this she gets the story but when it needs history it like is every few issues when this happens that's when you go into it it doesn't like do this oh you know hundred years ago and and do this backstory that then leads you up to the story that's going on it's always diegetic and it's always Mm -hmm. answering a question that is immediate and relevant to what is going on right now correct Mm -hmm. it gives it to you when you need it which is great there's no there's no you don't have to you know i was gonna say you don't have time to forget it which is cool (laughs) There's also no, hi, this is evil. Here's 
six pages on Evil's backstory. It's right. 10, 11 issues in. Why is he called that again? Right. Only it's, you know, an FBI agent asking and kind of the person she's asking, enjoying twisting the knife, uh, answering yeah. why. Mm-hmm. Not literally in this case, but... In this case. Yeah, that's why, yeah, qualifiers are there for a reason. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we... It kind of starts out, and I guess the first thing that happens in this is... Um, I guess even before we start that, we should tell you who the who these characters are. And it is essentially the the, the, the main father character of this family. The Bowmans. Right. The Bowmans are the family. Um, his, what appears to be brother, right? Bartlett. Bartlett. Uh, we get his. We get three of his sons, which is uh, who is it? Slap and Slap, Seamus, and shoot, I don't remember the other one. Yep, that um, third one. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Greg. Greg. Yeah. Yeah. It's like something way more normal, vanilla. Yeah. 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 Um. So, uh, so we have his three sons, and then we have there's a there's a young girl. Um, whose name is Perry, and then we find out fairly quickly there is his father, who is essentially Grandpa, who is kept up in the attic. Um, And it starts out with his three sons wanting to go into town during Christmas. And he doesn't want them to go, but they decide to go anyway. Because of course they do. They're basically teenagers. Yeah, they're 60 years old, but still. Right, yeah. Right. They're essentially teenagers. (laughs) And everyone's a little drunk. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, paint thinner and cow blood. That's how. Uh... And what happens in small towns when you and your boys get a little toasty? You're going to go out and make some trouble. Yep, pretty much. And uh, we, uh, during this trouble about to start a brewing, um, we get the introduction to this other character who is, who is central to this story. And his name is uh, Father Landry. And Landry is the other family uh, that is, you know, this uh, dueling family name. Um, And the father comes in and and basically stops this fight that's about to happen with some locals before it starts. And then the next page we have is Bartlett, the uncle, waking up on their porch as the sun is rising and about to start burning him. And uh, we look out and see the youngest son, Slap, uh, hanging and burning in a tree. Surrounded by a bunch of dead cattle. Surrounded by a bunch of dead cattle. And that's where things start spiraling out of control. And that's just like the first issue. Yeah. Yeah, the first that is... issue, I was like, I'm fucking hooked. Gimme, 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 gimme. Yeah, that is all the first issue, and that's pretty much where it ends. Yeah. Um, somebody want to pick up the narrative from there? I mean, I don't know that we need to step through issue by issue the whole book. Okay. Um, I would say the first arc is very much about Bartlett trying to get answers as to what happened that night, trying to mm-hmm. stave off... Uh, conflict between the Landrys and the rest of his family. And kind of what we get inside of the Bowmans is JT and Bartlett don't really seem to get along very much, but they're in agreement on they don't want conflict and they don't want to escalate. Whereas the three boys and Grandpa, the three boys just want to go raise a ruckus. Grandpa wants war with humans because he wants to win. Yeah, he wants fucking chaos. He wants it to be in the old days when vampires didn't have to hide themselves and yeah. Yeah, because it's always better in the old days. Right, right. <laughs> um, so, like, this first arc is very much Bartlett trying to figure out what happened and head off being outed as vampires and head off catastrophe and head off having to leave and move out and leave Sulphur Springs. Yeah. Um, I, is... I did want to. I did want to get just to the next point, just because it introduces the last two characters that you really need to know. Oh yeah, sure. Right. Which is so. The next day, they uh, they, they call in um, some uh, people who work for them, who essentially run the barbecue place, um, and that is Phil and Evil, uh, and they are both. Neither of them are vampires, yeah. so they can go out in the day and. Uh, assist the family in taking care of things that need to be done in the daytime. Yeah, yeah it's it's their personal assistant and house manager, basically. Uh, correct. Bill owes JT a life debt. JV. JD. V. V. JV. There we right. go. There you go. Um, I blame watching a lot of scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, O 
owes JV a life debt, and yeah. Evil works for Phil, is essentially the, the right. arrangement there. Yeah, and Evil is the actual fucking best. <laughs> evil is something. He sure is. I don't know. I'm kind of Team Perry here. Oh, yeah, oh. I love Perry. Oh. Perry is the best character, but yes. Um, the second arc of this, issues 7 through 12, is the fallout of Bartlett not being particularly successful. He gets his answers, but it's kind of too late. Uh, Greg and Seamus turn Father Landry, and now Father Landry is in hiding with the Bowmans, um, making a right mess of things. Yeah. Oh boy, is he. Wow, can it surprise no one how poorly this goes, yeah. Which... I hate it for Bartlett, because, like, he's trying to break a cycle of violence that has gone on for generations. And he just cannot win. Like, right. It's yeah. damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, and I don't think we've mentioned yet, like, all of our narration for this book is from his perspective. Yeah, the it, this is this is funny. So the first time I, because I read the, the first trade a little while ago, um, and... For some reason, I remember JV being the kind of the main character of this. Just, I guess because he's the the kind of the patriarch of the family. Sure. Yeah. Right. Rereading it this time very clearly, Bartlett is is the main character of this. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I like that even the thought the narration boxes that have his inner monologue are also going back to Brian's earlier point, diegetic to the mm-hmm. storytelling. Uh, the other vampires, everyone kind of has their own mix of powers and character. Some vampires can be staked and die. Some don't die if they're staked. Some can read minds. Others can't. The ones who can, like, they get their own text boxes when they're using their powers. You can sort of see these conversations that play in each other's heads, or one might acknowledge something that we've been reading in text boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, which actually happens, like, very beginning, page one of issue one. Like, it's a really great introduction to how... how that power works uh, but yeah so most most of most of the thought bubbles though are or narration bubble boxes that's the word are bartlett through this whole thing yeah. yeah and then i guess the the last kind of key thing that we get in one of these is the uh inciting incident for why these two families are so against each other well and really really it's Three at a certain level because we do it learn yeah we learn part way through the first arc that bartlett is more or less adopted into the family right mm-hmm. um and he has some beef with the landry's that is separate from the bowman's beef right we just we find out that bartlett essentially stole horses from the landry's and that's what put him on their poor side um as he was fleeing the alamo right yes so good yes um yeah, he makes a comment essentially about how they were all drunk when Santa Ana showed up, and so that was a big part of it. And, uh, you know, basically he's going to beat Santa Ana's ass when he gets to hell. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that happens, and that's what puts the Landrys against them when they adopt uh, Bartlett into their family. Um and the retaliation for that essentially is mostly they end up burning and killing Meredith. Right. And there is another specific incident uh, involving Phil that we learn about in the second arc. Yeah. That is like directly what led to Meredith's burning, but correct. Right. Uh, the the Bartlett incident begins sort of the cycle of violence that this other incident is a part of right uh and then you could even say the final uh, another incident is a secret which i will not reveal but that we learn about somebody um and and who they really are yes that really is probably what you know that and and them killing meredith pretty much seals that it's never going to change at this point yeah yeah, so, um, except I guess you could say it does change that character, doesn't it? I mean, certainly, as far as you and I have gotten, yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, let's just say I have learned not to take anything at what it at first appears in this book. Yeah. It, it's seriously like real Southern family bullshit, honestly. Uh, uh, it is. Because you don't know the secrets that your family is keeping, or why they're <laughs> keeping them. Look, personal shit right now okay (laughs) you don't know what people haven't told you and why they haven't told you those things i mean i went through (laughs) i went through a phase with my family uh when i was in high school i think 
when I was in the eighth grade, roughly, my grandfather remarried. Uh, and his third wife and I, we got along really well. She incidentally was from Texas. <laughs> Um, and I would go, like, hang out over at their house on weekends, because it was a lot quieter. Right. And I could get work done, and we'd play card games and all of that. Uh, but also, Charlene would, just in passing, let slip family history and drama that I had never heard about. Why do they do this? She just had joined the family she didn't know that these things most of which were super fucking innocuous were just truthfully i don't know if it's just no one ever talked about it versus it was actively a secret but like i was 17 years old i think when i learned that my uncle had been married once before like who cares but also how has this never come up (laughs) so oh in that same vein, I think I was like eight years old, and I don't know why or how. My grandmother is a beautiful, sweet little lady. My little, my tiny little nanny. She's 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 sweet, but she's also very mean. Uh, you can tell that she has some crazy in her. That is a southern thing too. It is so. Yeah, I think it's just a little old lady thing. Um, I was like eight years old, and just randomly out of the blue, I'm sitting there one day at her house, and she goes, "You know, your pop isn't your actual grandfather, right?" And I was just like, "What the." fuck like little eight-year-old me my head just explodes i'm like why what (laughs) What do you mean what yes he is are you crazy and then nothing and then just like stop talking about it i'm like what is wrong with you so i don't i have trust issues now (laughs) obviously understandably Uh, yeah yeah and like the rest of my family is kind of like that too so brian do you have any family secrets that you want to air um (laughs) Not specifically. I actually learned all of mine. (laughs) Well, listen to Mr. Well-Adjusted over here. Uh, No, it's 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 not that as much as um, (laughs) we know. No, no one, no, no one on my mom's (laughs) side of the family could ever keep a secret. So, Uh. (laughs) man, you're lucky. (laughs) I wish that was the case. I wish I wasn't like 32 years old and going. Are you people all fucking insane? Why can nobody tell the truth? No, see, I just grew up knowing they were all crazy. It's great. Oh, I knew they were crazy, but I thought I also knew all the stories. Hey, you know what? There's one thing I have learned in life. You never know all of Crease. <laughs> you, you never know. You never know. You never know all of Crease. No. The only way to know all of Crazy is to become crazy. Even I then, refuse. Even then. I refuse. No, thank you. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, one of our characters finds out something like that, don't they? Yeah, sure do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My habit of identifying with characters continues. Just, just continues, yeah. Um, so, Jin, yeah. beyond the uh, recognizable family secrets, what is it, not that I couldn't guess, knowing you and having read some of it now, but that's not good podcasting. What <laughs> is it about this book that makes you love it so much? Um, I am obsessed with vampires. That's one. Two, I am a loud and proud redneck. Just, just crazy redneck. Uh, three, fuck, I don't know. I love barbecue. (laughs) Four, I hate how much I love this whole family secret drama bullshit. Because I shouldn't. It should be a a very specific PTSD for me. Somehow it's not. I don't know. There's something about the way Kate builds out the family secrets as like this almost national treasure-esque mythological conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, it it is definitely it's like you're slowly unrolling a tapestry of of like a historical tapestry and you're like okay that's pretty normal all right and then you do another unroll and it's like well i didn't expect that but it ties in that's fine and then you've unrolled like 10 feet of it and you're going i don't know how the fuck we got here yeah but it's good (laughs) yeah it's very much a boiling frog thing where you're like no this is i mean yeah something's going on but it's not unpleasant i like i like the i like learning this and this is cool and and then yeah all of a sudden you look back and you're like oh Fuck, how did we do this? <laughs> you, <laughs> you said boiling frog is thing, on fire. and yeah. I did not catch it first that you meant like first person for the frog. I'm picturing this Raiders of the Lost Ark frog <laughs> melting. Like, it's a God. weird analogy. Like, yeah, what's, what's Brian clarified? I did. I did get yes, it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where like you don't realize what's happening at the time, right? Because it's so organic and one step at a time that it, it 
it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you pull back and look at that that whole picture, and it is not a pretty picture. <laughs> it is a dumpster fire. <laughs> and but then by then you're so involved in these characters and their personalities. Oh, yeah. By then and, you've made a comfy little home in the dumpster. Yeah. 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 I feel... it's too late to get out. <laughs> then you got to know what happens. <laughs> I feel like at this point, the characters who I probably want to see the most of next, I'd like a little more of JV, just like his history and how he got to where he's at. Mm-hmm. But Greg and Seamus, too, like as much as they do in the present, I kind of want to see a little bit more about their past. Mm-hmm. Everyone else, though, at this point, I feel like we've gotten, I mean, I always want more Perry. And I'm sure there could be an entire spinoff about Grandpa. But like... Oh. I- I- the other one is I wouldn't mind evil between what we learn of what is essentially like his yeah. origin type well, story and, and where he kind of is now. Sure. And what 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 I'm right. getting to, I guess, is not that I don't need any more of any others. I want some more sure. basically everyone. But like right. pretty much the vast majority of this cast, we've got some solid history on already. We kind of have their origin stories. And like 12 issues in, I think, to have as much as we have with all the action really being in the present Mm -hmm. is impressive. Well, and that that goes back to our point of they kind of haven't told as much about those two because it hasn't been necessary to the story yet. Sure. Right. Jen, was there anything else in your list of reasons why you love this? I kind of derailed um, you there. It's uh, some things that are going to happen later for you guys. Pretty, pretty fucking choice. Pretty spot on. Yep. Cool. Well, uh, you know, I mentioned I mentioned something that happened, you know, the secret that's revealed about one of the characters that changed. There is something that happened. Uh, there is very clearly, and it, it's, I mean, the focus of the very end of the second book, that there is another character that very clearly is going to be very different going forward than he was to this point. Yes. I think coming out of the second book, and I'm kind of, I'm torn on whether or not stopping where we did for this episode was the smart choice or not. On the one hand, like, I don't think anyone comes out of book two in the same place that they started the series or started book two. Like, I think you've got some characters who are basically where they were, issue one, issue 12, but I don't think anyone can come out of issue 12 the same. And like, part of me really wishes that we'd read more to see what comes next, and then I think think well no that's just gonna be this series that's always going to be the case Mm -hmm. um so on the one hand like i'm glad we're talking about the chunk we are because it can only kind of get bigger from here it feels like like up until this point this all is i feel like we're kind of done with any introduction to yes these characters if that makes sense like from here on, it is much more about what happens as opposed to who they are or why they're where they are now. It is so hard for me to not spoil things for you guys. <sighs> it is so hard. So we, we should actually talk about like everything that happens in Volume 2 then, I think. Okay. If you want to. So you know what, there will we're, be. We're a good yeah. half hour in at this point. I feel like it's okay to sort of call spoilers on. Before we do that, though, can we talk a little more about the art, actually? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's put that before a spoiler break. It um, is dirty. I love it. Yeah, it is. It is. Like, I would hate a superhero book drawn this way. Oh, I wouldn't. I'd love it, but it would have to be something I know. dark. I know. <laughs> but this book, like, I, I can't imagine any other art for this. It is no. wonderful. Yeah. It is, I, I, like, as amazing as the colors and everything are, like, the, the art really gives this sense of where you are. It gives a sense of Texas and flatness and dust. It's nice. A, a, kind of a, a, a dirty and a gritty and a, yeah. Yeah, well, it the... seems like it should be noir-ish, but it's super not. <laughs> I mean, I think the common ground there would be pulp, though, right? Like, it's got the yeah. same yeah. kind of pulp yeah. sensibilities that Western and noir would share. Yeah. You are correct, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing I think it does really well in service of what you two are both saying is the way it uses space, both... I mean, both in terms of like the scale of a shot, how far how far pulled in or zoomed out a panel is, but also when things get fast paced, when things get intense, we lose backgrounds, we lose larger structures or uh, uh, pieces of geography that give any sense of scale or place, and really focus in on just movement and flow across page. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that is literally a fight happening 
happening in white space between panels or what would be a panel broken up you know first focusing on the bottom of a bottle in someone's hand with some text and then focusing on a bottle lifted to the same bottle at their lips in the same position mm-hmm. um or the difference between you know we're down in a grungy basement and we get like a lot of wood texture and kind of some grimy moldy vibes which is partly the coloring versus when we're in the middle of the town square at the church and everything is very structural and perspective is mm-hmm. it feels like yeah. it feels like the art team had a really good understanding of like cinematography yes because it feels like like you're watching a movie the way that your eye is directed to certain things i agree i also gotta say alex you're just killing me because alex is like <laughs> looking through pages of of the trade but his camera is like 100 percent zoomed in on the front cover and it's just the fangs <laughs> of this vampire from the first book yep. and as he's talking up, like, it's like the moving. whole screen of my yeah exactly it's like oh my god like i said when it gets really intense it just sort of zooms up and <laughs> exactly that's what i'm saying yeah. and you have this zoomed in on the camera of these fangs i am ripping this i am apart. it's beautiful we gotta start doing these things like live on patreon or something Uh, oh i cannot wrap my head around doing this live yeah that wouldn't have gone so well today no no so i would be giving people some money back yeah uh all right Anything else general before we do hit harder spoilers? Nope. No. Um, I guess the only other thing I'd say is this is actually a, a, a fairly easy read. There's nothing super dense about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're looking for something that you can get through pretty quickly, but is a great story, this fits that bill as well. Yeah. And there is a lot of like dialect in dialogue, but, and this is the thing maybe we don't get to talk as much about with Kate's uh, on some of these stuff we talk about more often. It is well-written dialect. Yes. yes yeah. Thank you. Because I hate reading most people's Southern dialect. Mm-hmm. I hate it. It makes me cringe and cry and just want to throw the fucking book across the room. But Donnie Cates understands the way that Southern people speak. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Donnie... Did we mention, did, does anybody not know he's from Texas? <laughs> yeah. yeah. By the way, he also speaks like that. Anyway, yeah. in the Texas way, in the Texas way that's not truly like Southern, right. but it is well, slow and drawly. And I mean, volume two of this does point out Texas is not really part of the South. No, <laughs> no, it's it's really not. Yeah. Um, Texas is like California; it's its own thing. Right. We've been in Texas ever since it was spelled with a J. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, All right. Okay. Now we can spoil things. Volume two. So, uh, Perry, huh? Perry. Oh, man. Ugh. Can I ask this question? And Jen, this may be harder for you to answer because I know it has been longer for you. Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is just a, I've read a lot of Donny Cates versus something more intentional. Did, did the idea that Perry was not part of the family build for you guys up until that reveal, or did that come out of left field? Man, that felt completely out of left field for me. Almost, um, almost completely. Here's the thing, and I guess this is, I... I I did get the feeling that there was very clearly you're given the feeling that there's something different about Perry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's very distracting that it's you're kind of given that this false lead that it's her power Mm -hmm. that makes her that way. And it does. Don't get me wrong. But it's there. And again, maybe I'm, I'm with you, Alec. There's something about the fact that that didn't quite explain it all. There was just some something there that made her other not fit in with the rest of that family here here are the things same way the things for me that kind of helped me get there and i don't think i was too she's a landry like issues right yeah but i think maybe some of this is reading it in trade uh like you brian i had read volume one prior Mm -hmm. to this so this is sort of second pass through it um she has these same powers as grandpa that no one else has. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, even in the book itself, kind of no one knows the rules of how this works. But skipping a generation kind of is a weird idea for vampire powers to me. Hey man, it's ha- how it works with twins. Okay. Um, 
Uh, the biggest thing, other than just sort of that general sense, the biggest piece of evidence to me of like, why is this, what, how is she definitely not one of them? When Bartlett is talking about coming to live with the Bowmans. Mm-hmm. He talks about Greg and Seamus being boys and Meredith being pregnant with Slap. Mm -hmm. He never talks about Harry being born. She's never a part of that story. Um, And then I think past a certain point, especially as we're kind of building toward the reveal, like, okay, well, if she's not one of them, what's the meanest thing a writer could do to Bartlett? Let Perry be from the other side. So a little bit of it's meta, but like, I think there are a lot of hints in the top of it that like, not only is she different, but she is not a Bowman. Yeah. Well, and I think we're given another clue when we find out that Bartlett isn't. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of thinking that it was going to go along the lines of like her being Bartlett's kid, but him being completely incapable of taking care of a child because he's Bartlett. (laughs) Yeah. That, that would have fit to me as well. Sure. Um, But yeah, but I I think we kind of buried the lead here. And that is that we find out that Perry is actually a Landry, not a Bowman. Yeah. Um, And that grandpa essentially killed her father and mother and turned her as he ripped her out of her mother's womb fucked up it's fucked up grandpa yeah (laughs) so there's that this was in retaliation for their killing meredith yes Yeah. yeah so let's just say perry doesn't take it very well when she finds out the truth no (laughs) um yeah the other character that I kind of alluded to that's going to be very different going forward out of Volume 2 here is Evil. Um, Because at the end of Volume 2, Phil is killed. And Evil makes it very clear that he doesn't work for the Bowmans. He works for Phil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it ends with, you know, Phil dying and Evil holding him. And, well, and like, even bef- they zoom, we zoom in on his face as the final panel of Volume 2. Even before that, though. Yeah. Evil is begging JV to turn him. Right. And JV has to say to him, no, that's not how it works. He's already dead. Right. So, like, rational or not, that gives Evil a reason to feel betrayed by JV in the moment. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I, I did love, there's a there's a part where, I, I guess we should probably go into Landry and what happens to him, as in Father Landry. Yes. So, they have... The, the the sun's turned him, so he is a vampire now, which he detests about himself. <laughs> and when they have to flee the the town to and they go to a cabin, um, they bring him with them. To Waco. Which is exactly to... where you want to be accused of starting a cult. Yeah. Right. Hey, guess what? Guess what Father Landry does in Waco? Um he goes to like the nearest family ranches and um turns the family including the very small children including the small children and then they in turn turn other families until he has this small following of people um and essentially you know he is the shepherd of this new flock uh, and he then basically leads them against the bowmans and you know uh drugs and imprisons Perry in the basement and uh, imprisons Bartlett in the basement and all of the, uh, and then kills JV, uh, stakes him. Mm-hmm. Um, like mistakes were made. Yeah. <laughs> but all of this attracts the attention of the local law enforcement who then end up calling in the FBI. It's now yeah. a federal matter. They show up at first looking for a horse that Landry had stolen. Yes. Which given Bartlett's history with the Landrys is (laughs) so perfectly apropos. Yes. Yes. Um, but then they, they, they come around looking for the, the missing people, the families. Um, and then, uh, one of the deputies happens to spot one of them and is like, wait a minute, you're one of the missing people. And that leads to, he stays for Bible study. Right. Yeah. And that leads to badness. Um, and then eventually leads to the FBI being called in. Um, well, Phil is captured and brought in for interrogation to the FBI, and that is where we get the wonderfully hysterical uh, FBI person interviewing Phil, who's like, I'm just trying to help you and tell you what's going on. She's like, but if you speak the word vampire out of your mouth one more time, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So essentially, he then gets them to the point that he's like, listen, if you send people in, it's going to go badly for everybody. Let me go talk to them. Let me be your negotiator because they will they will at least listen to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which leads to what is probably my all-time favorite single scene in this book. So Phil goes into the cabin yes. and is like, listen, Landry, I just want to talk. And they're like, all right, you can come in and talk, but like, know that like this is not going to resolve itself well. So he goes in and, and he's like, uh, Landry is essentially like, you know, you're coming in my house now and you can say your piece and then get out. And <laughs> Phil is like, well... Actually, if you want to be truthful, this is actually my house, and I rescind the invitation for all of you. So good. That <laughs> no Landry. So good. So they are all now in vampires that are in this cabin and are uninvited, and they all lose their shit. <laughs> yeah. And literally, in some cases, things just start exploding from there. <laughs> Yeah, and it leads to Phil getting killed, evil, you know, holding him while he dies. Um, Perry and Bartlett escaping through some tunnels. Uh, JV running out to eventually join them, and we don't know what's going to happen from here. Now but you say F- JV going to join them, going to join the boys. I don't, I don't know that. Correct. They're yeah. going to know where Perry and Bartlett are. I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. There, well, there's something said at some point about getting out through the tunnels to somebody. And I don't remember if it's yeah. the boys or to JV or who, but yes. Yeah. Turns out that when Landry staked JV, he didn't stick the stake all the way through his heart, which was a... <laughs> he fucked it up. Rather large, large error on his part. <laughs> Almost said mistake, but yeah. Um, yeah. We haven't talked about the one character who is not here in volume two. Oh, Grandpa. Grandpa. Yeah. Grandpa, Grandpa might not have made it out. Well, because Grandpa is the one who, at the end of Volume 1, essentially, um, he is the one who went out and attacked all the cops that made them had to flee Sulphur Springs. Yeah. Yeah. Something tells me we haven't seen the last of Grandpa, oh, though. no. Only the good die young. Admittedly, well, young is probably not the adjective for him at this point. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Yeah, we didn't call spoilers for Volume 1, but... I mean, we're safe into spoiler territory at this point because we probably should point out that they find out the the, the big mystery of Volume 1, which is, uh, yeah, it turns out the Landrys didn't kill Slap anyway. Um, Grandpa did. Fuck Grandpa. Um, because he specifically wanted to incite a, a, a war and start shit. Yeah. And Slap was JV's baby. Yes. Mm-hmm. He loved that kid. Yep. I think it's really cool in this book that vampires can have babies. Yes. You don't generally get that other than in Twilight and it was a weird child baby. Oh, that was mm, fucking yeah, awful. There. We almost oh, made it so through good. without referencing Twilight. Mm. No, that's not going to happen. I mean. I will tell you 100% categorically, though, there are no sparkles in this book. No. Nope. No. No, when they walk into the sun, they burst into flames. Yes. <laughs> Or if you uh, take a Sharpie and draw a cross on the back of their necks. They burn. (laughs) So good. Evil is awesome. Yeah. Gonna just isolate that as a text tone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I can't recommend this book enough. It is a it is a great story. It is super well written. It is easily digestible. It is a great. book to read like i said just when you you want something to read but you don't want to dig too deep and heavy into something yeah you want something that is just a little beyond brain candy and a little below a full healthy meal there you go it is a heavy hors d'oeuvre it is a heavy hors d'oeuvre oh so this is brunch (laughs) oh this is yep this is the brunch of books couple of bloody marys yeah yeah Mm mm-hmm God damn, that sounds really good right now. That does sound good right Can now. Can somebody like prime now me some tomato juice? I'm out. I'm out. I've got V8 downstairs. I'm going right after this. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts on Redneck? I cannot wait for you guys to read more. Uh, it will It will wait. happen very soon for me. I can tell you that. Good. Because this book is, oh, it just keeps getting better. It just keeps getting better. Yeah. I don't I know think, how. I think we're 21 issues in now, something like that. Does that sound right? I think it's more than that. I think it's more than I think it's like 38. I looked it up. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, I do actually have the third volume of this already. I almost went ahead and read ahead for today. <laughs> but then I remembered that I had bought Birds of Prey and had not watched it yet. <laughs> so I did that. Nice. I uh, do recommend that movie, by the way. Got some big Deadpool energy if you love the Deadpool movies. Nice. I, I, I very much enjoyed that movie. Um, I, I, I really at, only had, yeah. We're at 26, by the way. I had to look okay. it up for okay. 26. Um, you know, I I have some nitpicks about it, but it was it was fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I will be watching it soon. Cool. Um, all right. Because we are in strange times, we are going to do a strange thing and bring back our favorite feature. <laughs> <laughs> this, to be fair, look, is it our favorite feature, Alex? Well, this was requested, okay? We would never choose to do this again. I was it actually wasn't requested. I was already thinking about it, but because No, Alex. Yeah. No, no because it was tweeted no. at us, I did go ahead and mention it. No. Um, because I am that kind of sadistic asshole. Um, if I may, long box book report. It's the long box book report. Fuck you. Oh, man. We All are right. bringing back for a limited time only, goddammit. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, so let's be clear about this. This is not a a continuum ongoing future. Um, feature of this we are bringing back the long box book report with a couple of slight modifications one i think we're going to uh we may not have the box of comics that we were using before readily available i don't know where it is (laughs) so brian is going to use his comic database to random uh, randomly pick uh, out of what did you say it was eleven thousand twelve thousand books twelve thousand books fucking mm-hmm. hell uh, and <laughs> per our listener request and thank you to Darren for uh, making this happen damn you sir Brian will be our guinea pig he was chosen by powers greater than the three of us. Social media. Uh, Brian will select two books and choose his poison. Should I announce what both of them were? Yes. Just... Yeah. Okay. I, I I do need to know what we we do need to know what the two options are. Yeah. Okay. So we can pressure you into picking the worst one. <laughs> All right. So um, there's there's a couple other caveats of those books. Obviously, I'm not going to choose a trade. Sure. And I am not going to choose anything that is um, new fifty two or newer. So it has to be at least like the two thousands, two thousand tens or earlier um 2010s would be new 52 was 2011 so it's okay pretty much so yeah so, so right yeah so in other words it, it, older than 2011 yeah um so there were two books that that came up in this first choosing and they are wasteland number 12 mm-hmm. for, for those of you who do not know what wasteland is it was a probably i think it ended up going like 16 issues or something dc book that was like super fucking odd it was like uh it was like 80s independent comics but done by dc and think like morrison doom patrol type weird but like without the co the necessary cohesion of that (laughs) oh Um, boy (laughs) yeah um the other book that i chose which i think is what i'm going to choose (laughs) is Hawk World number sixteen. I mean, you have to. You have to. <laughs> it has to uh, be a hawk book. Yeah, it is Hawk World number sixteen. Uh, from October of ninety one is the date on that book. Holy shirt! Now, yeah. I recognize which of these is the on brand choice for us. But Brian, yes, are you sure you don't want to pick the issue number twelve that you described as not being part of a cohesive story? <laughs> Over an issue number 16 of something that presumably is cohesive. Mm, well, fair. I'd say not cohesive, but I'm pretty sure, like, I, God, it's been so freaking long. I'm pretty sure that Wasteland had, like, several ongoing stories, almost like an anthology book that carried <laughs> stuff <laughs> through it. Um, so it would just, it might be multiple hmm. stories of that I would be right in the middle of. Hang on, let me, I am going to see if I can actually find this hang on just a second we should be able to do this pretty quick oh i don't have it i don't i don't i don't have it digitally at all of any any shape or form um i will i will i will have to pull physical media for this (laughs) which is a much larger chore (laughs) oh Um, no 
Um, that can't be done because I do know where it's at, but that just means I have to go find it. Um, oh my God, this is going to be so much. Um, but no, I, I think I do have to go with Hawkworld. All right. Well, we look forward to uh, hearing your impressions of it next week. I look forward to the mace count. (laughs) There we go. All right. And speaking of next week, uh, we will be continuing with this new deep dive format for the time Mm -hmm. being. Um, If you want to read along, read ahead with us, we're going to be looking at the 2012 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ongoing from IDW, uh, specifically issues 1 through 12 of that. Um, That's the run written by Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz. Uh, Art in that arc is Dan Duncan and Mateus Santaluco, with Rhonda Patterson on colors and letters by Robbie Robbins, Sean Lee, and Chris Mowry. All right. Very nice. And we will try to to announce each week what next week's will be if you care to read along with us yes yeah we'll put it out on twitter too um i should mention that if you want to send in questions or comments or impressions of the books we're talking about you can go to bit.ly slash panelology mailbag capital p capital m uh send us your questions or comments there or if you've got general comics questions comments whatever uh we'll take some general ones too why not yeah we are making we're begging it all up you as we for go. content yeah, quest- questions would be most welcome at this time. Yes. <laughs> we have to fill space. Now, I don't think I don't think when you put it like that this sounds great. <laughs> no, how believe me, there is more than enough comics out there that we can find content. Oh, That's oh, yeah. not the problem. <laughs> we'll talk about it, but we want to yeah. talk about what you want us to talk exactly. about. Exactly. Um, you can also tweet at us if there are things you want us to pick for future episodes. Boy, howdy, no promises, but also we are open to suggestions. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, you can tweet at us, you can laugh at us, you know, whatever you want to do, you like doing. (laughs) All right. Anything else before we call it the end of the day for this one? Nope. Nothing for me. We live in a weird world. Yes, we do. Yeah. We would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. Uh, you can you can visit our website at panelologypodcast.com or more specifically, if you just want to go straight to that question, comment, submission, bit.ly slash panelology mailbag, capital P, capital M. We are at patreon.com slash panelology and for panelology merch, you can go to bit.ly slash panelology merch, capital P, capital M. Uh, I am also going to plug what is going on on Minds at York right now. I uh oh. <laughs> this is good stuff, folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the category of hoisted by my own petard, <laughs> I came up with what I thought would be a simple, easy, short-term buy-in of well, we'll talk about the choose your own adventure books by playing them like a tabletop RPG. We're gonna be at least six episodes of that before we finish an arc and probably more in the future. So uh <laughs> that has started. Check that out. Those are the episodes labeled Alternamorphs. Nice. I've gotten myself into more than I expected to. <laughs> the good news is you have time for it right now. <laughs> that is the good news. <laughs> My name is Alex. I'm Jenna. And I am Brian. There's still comics out there to read, so go read them. Wash your hands. Wash your hands.